Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Dr. Lowry. This is going to be a bit of a special episode. For technical reasons, the audio is problematic. Uh, but Phil and I had a good conversation about training through the flu season uh, and its relationship with testosterone and how you decide when you can train versus you're too sick to train or what happens when your training partner uh, is sick and bringing it to the gym, uh, that kind of thing. So I may pop in and out uh, as sort of a narrator as you listen to clips from this show uh, because we lost some chunks of it, but the show must go on. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And then this is Phil Stevens. I'm a coach and a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete. I run StrengthGill, liftforhope.org, and USSF. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Let's start with this. This isn't one of our regular news blurbs. Our news is going to set the tone for the day, everybody. But... Strength and Muscle Sport News. Um, I actually went online and I checked out those Boston Lloyd videos, and I don't know if any of our listeners have. Um, in fact, I think I'm actually going to show the female one uh, in one of my classes, believe it or not, because I think we have a lot of graduates in exercise science, and they have no idea about performance-enhancing drugs. You know, they get a very academic, um, clean, sanitized view of them. Uh, mm-hmm. And that could be uh, an, an interesting case study for them. Now, I keep saying to them, this is not instructive. <laughs> you know, don't, don't, I'm not trying to give you hints about how, how to abuse drugs. But anyway, I mean, that Boston Lloyd guy just pointing at syringes, doing a lot of this Muscle Media 2000 thing, the way Bill Phillips built up that magazine. I mean, the reason a lot of people bought that magazine was he'd say, you know, this is what's fake on the black market and, and this is what's good, you know, stuff and all this sort of thing. And I think listeners got this kind of vicarious kick out of looking at all these drugs, even if they don't want to use them themselves. Alrighty. Well, this is where I went on a tirade um, about some of these almost shock jocks uh, on YouTube. You know, they're just boasting, they're swearing, uh, talking about how awesome they would look if they were using anabolics. And, you know, there's no guarantee of that. Uh, Just because one guy transforms in a certain way doesn't mean that somebody else will, even if he looks good, uh, fairly muscular now, uh, boasting about how awesome he would look, you don't know that. I mean, he could have high calves, sloped shoulders, thick waist. There's a lot of things that are born in bodybuilding, and it's not just about size. Um, There's a lot of genetic differences in response to how hard you can get, for example. Um, So anyway, I was just telling people to be careful when they get on YouTube, because if you look up the Boston Lloyd stuff, there's not just this sort of uh, documentary value of what he does or what he does with a couple of female competitors around him. Um, but there's a ton of junk uh, of people trying to feed off uh, the viral nature of what this guy is doing. But that takes me to the article. Uh, a student brought this to my attention. He mentioned that high testosterone men 
apparently don't respond to the flu vaccine very well. And I hadn't heard that. So I went and looked, and I'll be darned, but it looks like uh, there are several issues when it comes to cold season and the flu, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit, because let's face it, nothing will ruin your training like getting too sick to lift. Uh, yeah. It'll certainly erase a week of your training. It could be even worse. So let me share this first study. This is from NBC News. Uh, Testosterone may make men likely to get the flu, study finds. Now, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. What it's causing is they have a lack of antibodies uh, produced when they get vaccinated. It says, just in time for flu season's peak, science may have figured out a reason why some men make wimpy, needy patients compared to women when it comes to infectious diseases. There's a lot of sort of joking and hyperbole in here. But apparently uh, there was a multinational team uh, from France and the University of North Carolina. Uh, They did blood samples from 54 women and 37 men, uh, different ages. And then they looked at their immune response after they got a seasonal flu vaccine, the H3N2 flu strain. Anyway, the women and the men both had some antibody responses, but the men had a much lower uh, antibody response, and then they interviewed a, a guy about this, and basically he's sort of, he's almost making light of about, you know, men are screwed, women are just tougher, and when it comes to flu shots and the antibody response, you know, I can't say he's entirely wrong. It says, for those who get the flu vaccine but still get sick, a prescription antiviral therapy may lessen symptoms. So, there's some people in the wellness world, uh, I don't know if listeners, many of you are familiar with Mercola, but he's a physician, he's vehemently against vaccinations because he says they do more harm than good from, I don't know, um, nerve damage, ADHD, all kinds of um, problems. And because of my wife's interest in chronic pain, I actually looked, and it is in fact true that a small percentage of people, uh, whether it's the H1N1 or almost any of these flu vaccines, it looks like to me, you can, in a very small percentage of people, end up with peripheral nerve damage. And, you know, that's not the weakness in nerve damage is not something that's going to help any power lifter. Um, Here's another one. This is from MedPage Today. Testosterone level affects flu shot response. Uh, This was written by Sarah Wicklin, uh, December 30th, 2013. So this is still new. This is this flu season. It says men with high testosterone and a certain gene cluster may not experience the antibody response after a flu shot, uh, finding that could affect men taking prescription testosterone. Men with a higher level of T had 81% lower antibody response uh, after the flu shot compared with women. And it says, while men with lower testosterone only had 13% lower response than women, according to David Furman, PhD from Stanford. Wow. So I'm surprised by this, but when you consider, you know, the potential side effects, uh, along with the fact that if you're very high testosterone, it may not do much for you. This is making me reconsider a little bit. Um, My mom's been bugging me constantly because there's a bit of an outbreak here in Ohio. Uh, You know, the teachers are sending home letters with the students like, get immunized. And one of the local hospitals is limiting visitors, actually, uh, because they're afraid of bringing, you know, the virus into already sick people, presumably. But, Phil, you said you don't really get flu shots. Oh, boy. This is where Phil was saying he doesn't want to treat something that's not there, uh, essentially. He's known people that got the flu shot and still ended up with the flu. Uh, so I think once the audio comes back in, you can see my response to that. 
I listened to a Science Friday episode probably about a year and a half ago. They had some uh, immunology vaccination experts on, and uh, I believe they said in young people there's a, a 60% protection when you get the flu virus. Now, they would argue that's a lot better than zero, uh, yeah. but I would have people go listen to that. My percent might be wrong, but the, yeah. yeah, the point being is it's not perfect protection anyway. Um, I think a lot of it depends on who you're exposed to, right? So before we were recording, we were talking about you know, at Phil's gym, you have sort of a club environment. Uh, you have the same group of people uh, yeah. in the dozens, not the hundreds, you know, yes. coming and going. And uh, when I used to work at a commercial gym, I was sick all the time because I was a grunt. You know, I had to clean the toilets and the bathroom and all that stuff. And I mean, I always had at least head colds, it seemed like. So I guess if you're in that kind of situation, um, maybe it is a good idea to get vaccinated. You know, I don't want to create an irrational panic and say, oh, my goodness, you know, you're going to get nerve damage. Well, a very small percentage of people will get some of these, like, uh, what is it, Guillain-Barr syndrome, some of these peripheral neuropathies or facial nerve damage. And it's a very small percentage of people, or they wouldn't do it, frankly. But um, when you consider this new information that if you're high T, I mean, if you're on a testosterone replacement uh, like an androgel, or if you're getting injection therapy, uh, for even for legitimate medical reasons, you're high enough testosterone that, gosh, an 81% lower antibody response, right? I mean, that's what you want when you get vaccinated. They'll put a more or less crippled virus in you, you have a response, and then you're ready when the real virus comes along. Uh, well, and everything I've heard, too, is the whole flu shot thing, it's kind of a, it's a guessing game each year. They're trying to you know, they're doing some mathematics and figuring out what they think that the, the active flu viruses will be, the strains will be that year, like the coming year. So, and that's why it's, you know, what would you say, 60% chance or whatever. Right. No, that's probably true. Yeah, I agree with that. The, they're trying to predict, like, the Centers for Disease Control, what's going to be yes. in the United States. And let's face it, it behooves them to really get a, um, a certain level of what I would call herd protection. Yeah. Uh, the virus doesn't spread like wildfire when you have more than half your population immunized against it. Uh, yeah. Like with anything else in medicine, yeah, I mean, there's it's what they call it, acceptable losses or whatever. There's side effects, and it's, uh, you know, 2% of people get this or 0.5% of people get that, you know, type of thing. Right. And you know what? To, to a government official, that seems like an acceptable loss until it's you or someone you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's with me. It's just, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I've just never had a problem with it. If I, if I got the flu, I got the flu. You know, then I take care of that type of thing. And I don't, I, I mean, I get colds every once in a while, I guess, and things like that. But I don't know. I might have a healthy immune system, too, because I, I lived in Thailand and I drank the water. So, and I didn't get sick. So. <laughs> You've immunized yourself <laughs> against everything. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but I, I don't know. It's, it's worth saying. I mean, you see that in, when we were kids, we were allowed to go outside and play in the dirt. You know, and... In theory, our immune systems are pretty tough from that. And there's a whole camp of people coming out now that they're going against all of these, the constant use of sanitizers on people um, because of that. You know, your body then doesn't get used to it and be able to fight its own its own battles. Didn't John or, Davies you know, mention that? I think he did. Yeah. I mean, I mean, now they're finding that it's even in our water supply and everything else. Uh, well, or even like I've heard that living with a dog helps your immune system, for example. Yeah. You know, and that sort of thing. Is that unsanitary? Yeah. To somebody who's a clean freak, uh, I imagine it is. Uh, but you're right. If you're never challenging your immune system w- with all of the 
variety of uh, microbes and stuff around us. Um, yeah, when something comes along, you, you've been like boy in a bubble. Now what do you? Do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's just like like our musculoskeletal system. You know, we go in there and we attack it with various things, and it it adapts and gets stronger. You know, same thing with your immune system to to a point. I mean, you don't want to go and give yourself a little bit of HIV, you know, <laughs> or something like no, that. No, right? Yeah, <laughs> a little Ebola uh, to strengthen the immune system. Yeah, exactly. No, right. um, no um, yeah, it just uh, it's one of those things where. I think overall we probably have a better level of protection so long as we're not overtraining, and it comes kind of comes back to yes. programming, don't you think? I mean, people yeah. drive themselves into the ground, their immune system tanks, they get overtraining syndrome, almost mono-like symptoms. But reasonable amounts of exercise are supposed to boost your immune function. Exactly. You know. I don't know. I mean, around here, we if somebody's sick, they notice to stay home because I'll kick them out. You know, if they've got some kind of sickness that is potentially going to be spread around. You know, Phil, that right, that right there is an argument for um, club environment gyms, isn't it? Yeah. Because it, when you go, when you lift at one of these uh, fit works kinds of places, or um, uh, what's the big chain that's all over for ten bucks a month? Uh, I keep forgetting it. Fitness and Lifetime. Yeah, uh, yeah. there, there's no control. Like, somebody can't no. say, you're being a fool, get out. Yeah. But, you know, you could say, listen, you're, you're going to affect the whole team. Please. please. Exactly. We, exactly. We'll self-govern ourselves. Everybody else say, get, get out of here. We don't want to get sick, too. You know. Yeah. And, uh, and you know what, too? I used to be a tough guy, like, at work. Uh, and I work in a social setting, right? I'm a teacher. And I have even taught with the flu before. And then it sort of dawned on me that that's discipline going bad. Because, <laughs> you know, I shouldn't be there for other people's yeah. sake. Even if I'm going to be a tough guy... You know what I mean? That's bad for everybody around me. Yes. And in, in the gym, it's especially bad because everybody's grabbing the same bars for God's sake. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we'll take some preventative measures here. And, you know, twice a week, we wipe the whole place down with bleach or whatever, this and that. The bars get wiped down. The floor gets wiped down because there's a lot of laying on the floor or mopped and things like that. But it's still, I would hate to see, like, a CSI come in and do one of those scans. <laughs> bodily fluids in my gym. Yeah. Because it's everywhere, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, you do as best you can. And other than that, you know, like I said, we kind of self-govern ourselves. If, if you've got, you know, if you're sneezing a little bit of this and that, fine. But if you're genuinely sick, get the hell out and don't come back till you're better type of thing. So I had one guy last week on Wednesday. He came in for five minutes. He was like, you know, get out. You know, and he hadn't been back. He'll be back tomorrow. He's finally better. So I'll tell you what. Let's, let's go to early break. We'll come back. I'm going to actually... Uh, talk about that a little and I actually want to start with an almost funny study uh, the guys and the gals listening will probably laugh at this one a little bit it's about the differences between men and women's immune systems but let's go to break and then we'll, we'll come back hi this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show uh, if you simply Google CRC Press in protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69. US So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to 
drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people, and you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals, so you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So, thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So – uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. <laughs> Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Just checking back in as narrator here on this episode. Obviously, we're fitness or nutrition coaching professionals. We're not audio professionals. Uh, bear with us. The audio is up and down a little bit, but hopefully it'll clean up a little bit as the show goes on. Thanks, guys. Okay, and we're back from the break. Before we get on to uh, more of the sickness and, and, and whatnot we were talking about, I wanted to hit up some news that we probably shouldn't ignore um, because everybody else is talking about it. So why shouldn't we? Um, the injury that happened at the CrossFit OC throwdown with uh, Kevin Ogar. Um, oh, Phil, um, I I, th- I think I know where you're going with this. I'm sorry, go ahead. It was uh, the, the injury happened on, from what I understand, a three rep snatch, and he dropped the bar, and I I, I think I'm right, but it hit him between T. 11 and T12 and severed his spine and he's pretty much lost feeling, lost movement from there down. Oh, um, no. The instant reaction of course across the board was oh my god, stupid CrossFit, this and that. Um, and I can understand a bit of that knee jerk, you know. Yeah, and I can understand a bit of that too because, you know, the instant reaction now they've become they've, they've gotten to the point where like injury is almost a badge of honor. Um and it's like you haven't made it till you're injured type of thing but come on guys I mean this is a <laughs> nobody's going out and trying to sever their spine no, right. and if you watch the video um, which I finally got to see I don't know what happened it almost looks like he passes out because um, it looks like he makes the lift fine and on his way up he just buckles and like his arms fall before the bar and then the bar hits. Is so this was it a technique thing, or, or were they doing Olympic lifts to fatigue or something? Yeah, like it was that was Olympic lift for three reps, so it's not like it was. It was in a fatigued state, but it's not like it was twenty five reps or anything. 
I mean, it's not unheard of for an Olympic lifter to do a double or a triple. You know. Yeah, but let me ask you this because you know a lot more about this than I do. I was talking to a strength coach today, and he said he had a big problem um, teaching the Olympic lifts to people who were very tired. And it makes me think of the old days yes. when I used to pole vault. Like, you know, you're going to misfire neural patterns. How can you do the fine nuances when you're destroyed? Uh, is there ever a time? Right there. Uh, you know, the explosion of the technique is the first thing that goes. And that's like when we're training, you know, with my with my lifters, we do the lifts first. Mm-hmm. And then in, in Olympic weightlifting, you're squatting, you're pressing, and all that stuff is the secondary assistance move. And we do that, you know, after. Because you'll see it. You'll, you'll hit enough snatches or enough clean jerks that all of a sudden that ability is just gone. <laughs> that was my understanding speaking to him, yeah. And, you know, that makes a lot of sense, right? It's just like why would you do – why would a bodybuilder train triceps before his chest work, you know, yeah. kind of thing. But on this lift, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't look – It's hard to explain what happened because it doesn't. I mean, technically, it doesn't. It's not like he's not going to go to the Olympics, but it's not like, oh my God, that's a horrible lift type of thing. Can't say that I totally agree with, you know, yeah, they're doing a fatigue state, this and that, but I don't see this. I've seen a lot, them do a lot dumber stuff. (laughs) I guess what I'm getting at. This This isn't one of those things that makes me think, oh my God, why the hell are they doing that? So freak accident, then uh, you think? I'd say yeah. I'd say it's less of a just a something stupid than it is just a freak accident. I mean, like people have said, there's you know there were several people this year. There's a guy that dropped over 400 pounds on his head in the Olympics, you know. And his argument was, well, there's a big difference when you know he dropped 400 pounds on his spine and it didn't break his spine. This guy dropped 200. Well, dude, that's that's apples and oranges. Oh it's yeah. Just, you know, yeah. 200 pounds is plenty enough weight to to do some damage. You know, the guy, the other guy was just lucky, and this guy was unlucky. You know, is what is what it boils down to. Right. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, best case scenario, I think what it'll do is, you know, hopefully it'll have the organization look internally at itself, um, because they have gotten to a point where uh, they're trying to outdo themselves all the time. You know, they started out pretty pretty good and then it was like okay what can we do next and they've gotten to the point where it's like a lot of the crap they're having them do is just ass on well and i've seen a couple examples where they tend to get defensive um like uh, instead of saying you know we need to take a closer look at this so this doesn't happen again and maybe they have to for liability reasons but they'll start to state all the reasons why well that's just a risk and that's just how we do it and you yeah, know, and show me, show me the proof that we're wrong, and you know what I mean. And they almost become confrontational with the very people that are trying to, uh, I don't know. I think point out some things constructively, and that's yeah. never a good thing, you know. Well, you know, it's getting bad when there's there's a backlash within the community itself to just to stop doing. Like if if you go to an event and they're asking you to do dumb stuff, just tell them no. You know, I'm not going to do your event. Because it has, it's gotten so far that every, there's no, there's, there's no governing body over what events are being held. So it's up to the clubs themselves that are, that are putting on these throwdowns or whatever they want to call them. So every club's trying to outdo the other one to say, we've got the most hardcore event type of thing. Right. Hardcore, though, should mean numbers lifted or maybe muscle yeah, size I mean, not you know, not who can injure who, who can sport the worst injury exactly or who can do the the craziest freaking thing that will potentially it, you'll make it or you'll get hurt you know that's that's stupid you know and i'm not saying i and i've said it already this isn't one of those events where i think it was that 
I mean, this was more of a freak accident, but I mean, I think that's why a lot of these comments on this accident are justified. Because there are a lot of, you know, slap tears and, you know, so many blown Achilles tendons and things like that. And, you know, it boils down to everybody's like, well, that's the risk of the sport. That happens in football, this and that, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but the difference is these people aren't professional athletes. Well, and and in football, you're not doing that to yourself. Somebody tackles you and twists your knee, and you tear your yeah. ACL or something. That you didn't. The guy didn't do it to himself. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, and you know those those people are professional athletes making millions of dollars. These are usually you know people that work a regular job and they're in fitness and they're doing this for fun. Right, recreational. So, you know, it's they're you know recreational lifters exactly, and it's like, is the risk worth it? You know, just to say you're hardcore enough to finish that, you know. So, um, no, I mean, I mean, I don't have anything bad to say about the guy. I mean, even the lift looked fairly good. I'm sorry it happened, you know, and thoughts out to you. I hope everything comes through and it's a bad thing. I mean, I hope as somebody who, who coaches some CrossFit people and this and that, I hope it, it has the organization look internally on itself and start putting some structure behind the events. Yeah, getting defensive and, and, um, fighting back and being in denial it, it's a much stronger perspective to say what can we do to make this better or safer you know in case something yeah. was done that could have been done better that's all yeah yeah exactly so oh but that's not good yeah i thought i had heard something about that i, I wasn't sure about the details though but oh, you know yeah and it's 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 all over the place you've got both camps people saying oh you know it's great and then other people trying to tear them down and you know in the end there's a dude hurt you know, I was just going to say, let's not forget, yeah, the guy who's uh, experiencing the tragedy. I mean, you remember Christopher Reeve, you know, the guy who played yeah. Superman, for some listeners who don't remember that. Um, freak accident, thrown off a polo horse, I think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, quadriplegic. I mean, just a hideous tragedy. And sometimes terrible things happen to good yeah. people. I don't know. It's just it's yeah. just not I mean, happening. One thing you can say, though, is the community, they, they, they rallied together and they raised, because the guy, he has no insurance. Mm. Um, within 48 hours, they raised $100,000 for him. Wow. So, yeah, that's... that's well, yeah, they can be good. proud of that, yeah. You know, so. There is a real sense of community with the CrossFit group. I can yeah, say that. huge, huge. So, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, that's a good thing. I mean, but, I mean, it's... Yeah, there's good, there's bad, there's this and that. But, like I said, in this case, there's somebody hurt, and that's the main thing. Right. So, right. Well, this is like the episode oh, of... getting old. You know, I'm getting old and soft, so... Right. Yep, <laughs> sentimental. This is the, I was going to say, this is like the episode of um, injury and illness, then. That's <laughs> not a very happy topic. Uh, <laughs> let me let me offer something that's a little bit more lighthearted, and uh, guys may find this funny. Some of the women will almost certainly find this funny, but I'm always laughing with my, you know, my wife about how women have better immune systems than men. Maybe it's because evolutionarily, you know, um, they're the glue sometimes that holds the family together and that kind of thing, but here's one for you um, I am not making this up and there's some practical tips in this too this is from Simmons et al this is a 2009 paper so it's not brand new like that stuff that I've been reading about the reduced antibody responses that's brand new um, but this is also about testosterone and flu shots it says uh, androgens and energy allocation quasi-experimental evidence for effects of the influenza vaccine on men's testosterone it says androgens are proposed to allocate finite energy resources away from the immune system and toward anabolic processes and reproductive efforts. Now, already I'm thinking this is kind of funny, right? So men are 
<laughs> programmed in a sense hormonally, we're going to throw away some of our immune system and focus on reproduction. <laughs> uh, it says, um, in situations of you know exposure, basically, uh, there's mounting demands of the immune system, and they these researchers actually hypothesized uh, that when you get something like a flu shot, because it's an immune challenge, right, in an effort to build you up, but it's still an immune challenge, then testosterone levels would fall because they're almost making it sound to me like testosterone is about big muscles and sex and, you know, men will throw away their lives away from a self-defense perspective for big muscles and sex. But it says, um, we tested the hypothesis that even mild immune challenge associated with vaccination may cause a decline in men's testosterone. Uh, as predicted, men who received an influenza vaccine exhibited more negative change in testosterone over a two-week period than did um, basically a control group. So these results suggest men's androgen concentrations may be finally calibrated as a trade-off between energy demands on the immune response versus you know some of these other things like muscles and, and sex. But uh, what I'm reading from this abstract, at least, is... Uh, over a two-week period, there could be uh, reduced testosterone from a vaccine. So, I don't know. Not only does the higher testosterone keep the vaccine from doing what it's supposed to do as well, but this almost suggests, and I would I would have people go look at it again, it's um, American Journal of Human Biology 2009 from Simmons and colleagues, um, but it makes it look like you actually have a negative change in testosterone over two weeks after vaccination. So I don't know. I, I suppose because I don't want to people not tell people to go get vaccinated necessarily. Um, you, if you're in heavy training or you're about to compete and you want to spare every drop of testosterone, maybe it's not the best time to get immunized. I don't know. Maybe it's just a timing thing. Anyway, I find that a little bit humorous that, you know, <laughs> the way men's bodies will prioritize anabolic processes and reproductive effort. So. Yeah, I think we've talked about it before. I mean, it's people forget that, you know, we are really, when you break it down to brass tacks, we are put on here to survive long enough to procreate. Yeah. That's yeah. what our body's here for. You know, other than that, it doesn't, you know, your body doesn't care if you're jacked. You know, it, right, break it right. down to the most basic level. It wants you to survive long enough to keep the species going on. Well, unless <laughs> unless that extra muscle mass attracts a mate, <laughs> I exactly. suppose, which is why you see colorful male animals. We have to yeah, be very exactly. careful. We're treading on thin ice here, I think, <laughs> uh, with you know uh, with sexism comments almost. But yeah. yeah, you know there is a certain reality there. I think. Um, yeah. But anyway, you know the trade off though. If it, if you don't get immunized and you do have an increased risk of contracting the flu, people do die every year from the flu. You know, again, like my mom will go off about, oh, this flu's this one's deadly. I'm like, well, mom, flus always kill people. Yeah. And yes, it's often older persons or kids, but yes, it kills healthy, normal adults too, middle-aged type adults as well. Uh, and I'm not saying that's okay, and there's anything good about it. But the you know the flip side would be if you know you're like, well, I don't want low testosterone, and if I do get a, a vaccine, I'm not going to have much protection from it because I. I am high testosterone. I can see you having to weigh this out. And, you know, frankly, I think if you go talk to uh, the person at Walgreens or your nurse or whatever, uh, you know, I'm a high testosterone male. Am I going to have less response? Should I even get this? I bet they're not going to know. 
frankly. Yeah, probably not. Uh, you know, so that leaves you having to go look at look up this yourself. Uh, just even if it's just following the leads that I gave you about the, you know, the NBC and and some of the researchers and all that kind of thing. But uh, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, Phil, you you touched on this a little bit earlier, which is, um, how do you know? You know, we we've talked in many ages ago about the intangibles. You know, things that's hard to put your finger on, like when do you go to the gym, when do you not. But when it comes to being sick, I know you said you don't really get the flu too much, um, or at all even, but when do you say, I am too sick to train? How about you personally at first? Myself. God, I mean, if I know I'm in trouble, if if I'm sick enough I don't want to train, then I probably should. Because I love to train. (laughs) Oh, well, okay. That's That's usually what does it for me. Or if I know, I mean, if it's one of those sicknesses that just has me really tired, um, it's usually worth for me to just heal up and come back and get a good workout. You know, I'd rather not have a a half-assed workout than if I can rest up, you know, and come back and get a good one. Yeah, I waffle on that. Yeah. No, I I was just going to say, I I tend to go back and forth on that. You know, it's very hard to weigh out. Like, Mm -hmm. am I... Am I being lazy versus uh, fatigued? You know, yeah. but if the fatigue comes with aches and pains all over, and certainly if it comes with a fever or hacking cough, then yeah. you're just a fool if you try to train through that. I mean, I did that as a teenager, and I ended up with pneumonia. I'm not kidding. Uh, I was running back and forth across the street. I was lifting with my buddy Wade at the time, and you know, way too motivated looking at pictures of Tom Platts. And by the way, this guy Wade, he he's the only guy I knew at the time. He had proportionally bigger quads than I did. You know, I've always been bottom heavy, but this guy, he, he could have been the next Tom Platts, I swear. Um, yeah, but, you know, just too motivated, and I fought through it. I'm like, yeah, I feel a little off, you know, and maybe I have a little fever and this and that, and I, I trained anyway. That's just not good. I, I ended up getting laid up for about two weeks with no, real, real honest-to-God pneumonia, and, I mean, you want to lose some muscle mass. Bed rest is going to ruin muscle mass <laughs> worse than anything I can think of. Yeah, you know, and you know, I kind of bounce between the two. I mean, it's like a lot of because a lot of times you can go in and if you got a little cold or something, and you, you can go and you know, it's all like you almost feel a lot better from getting in there, moving around, sweat. You know, and it's things like that. You know, so if I just got you know if my sinuses are acting up and stuff like that, and it's like okay, just don't be, don't be a sissy. Get in there and get it done. Right. Try not to spread it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Your your stuffed up sinuses aren't going to kill anybody, and it's probably not going to go to anybody else. So, I mean, I'm not talking now. If your nose is running all over the place and you're having white boogers off your face, don't don't come in my gym because you're rubbing all over the bar. Yeah, but um, oh yeah, oh yeah. You know things like that, but um, you know, like you said, if I've got aches and pains because I'm already achy anyway, so if I add chalk more on top of that, it's like, dude, you're better off just resting and waiting a day or two and come back <laughs> you know that's true the, no. the veterans that listen to us they're probably like you know phil's got a good point if i'm usually dealing with like let's say 30 percent or like three on a 10 scale aches and pains just because of scar tissue and past injuries yeah. and stuff i don't have any room to add 30 percent more from <laughs> exactly. from the myalgia of a cold <laughs> yeah. so it's better off for me and it's i don't know i think it's it comes with training age i know that missing a workout isn't going to make me weaker you know, it's just not that one workout in the grand scheme of things isn't the end of the world. Yeah. Um, and I don't know when I get in meat mode type thing. I've seen like I, I've got a lifter now that we got to meet this weekend, and all of a sudden he came down sick. I just don't. 
and I don't know if it's something in my body because things ramp up. I get sick after the meet. I don't. I can't remember a time I ever got sick before me. Um, it is true. I, I you know what I I know what you're saying too. Even though I've, I've dealt with injuries up to a meet, as far as getting yeah. ill, you get such a sense of momentum, kind of. Yeah, it's like you're. I don't know. It's like everything's running on high, even your immune system, and it's it's after that meet where I end up getting sick. No, it's true. I, it's like yeah. you're invincible, and then you fall yes. apart. You yep, know, exactly. it, all at once. You, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I don't know what that is, but you know, I mean, the only thing I can hypothesize is it's like I said, all your 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 bodily systems are all running on in, in fifth gear. Well, plus, you know what, Phil, you are you're properly programmed, whereas some of the guys I think that ramp up, I mean, not necessarily yeah. the guys that work with you, but I think some people if they get too excited before a meet or a bodybuilding contest or whatever it is, yeah, they they don't realize that they're training six days a week for two hours. You know? Yeah, and they get in the state of over. They're not sticking to the plan. Yeah, right, exactly. Overtraining and that's, kind of situation. That's where it's also, I don't get much of like the overreaching and things like that because every person in my gym I program. <laughs> you know? so. yeah. Well, you know, individual differences. I'll give an example. Like, I used to learn about the Hans Selye thing in school, you know, the general adaptation syndrome. And, you know, sort of applying this to, uh, you know, about 12 weeks worth of really hard training stress. And again, this is bastardizing it toward exercise training, but 12 weeks is what I was often taught would be as long as you should program someone before they should have maybe a, a taper or something like that. But it's so individual that for me, being more ectomorphic, I do much better on like eight week or 10 week cycle yeah. periods, you know, and I know some guys, they could go for 20 weeks and they just never seem to you know have any problems with uh, overdoing it uh, but you touched on something earlier too which was mild exercise or even if you say properly planned exercise um, that's going to do nothing but help probably yeah. uh, it, for most people now you know there's always let's face it no matter how good your immune system is if every single colleague at work has the flu and they're hacking on you or you know I'll, I'll be in front of a class and if I get students wheezing mist at me <laughs> you know I mean you could only resist that for so long uh, simply because of exposure you know yeah. um, but and you could almost say I mean the hell one of the reasons I probably don't get sick is because for the last oh I don't know how many years at least a decade I haven't worked in like mass population settings yeah yeah you know I it's all with a very small population and now it's even more so it's like I don't Ever have to leave my compound hardly. So well, that's probably a benefit of the kind has of to seek me out to get me in. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, because like you, like we said, you could even control if somebody walks in, even though it's unlikely because there may be only several dozen people coming and going at any given day. Um, you could say you don't look good. I don't think you should be here. And you know, you're actually protecting yourself and all, even though you're doing it on their behalf. You know, yeah. you're actually keeping their rot out of your gym. <laughs> Oh yeah, and I mean we're the our people are not even if they say I'm feeling great, I want to train. We'll like everybody will kind of band together and we'll just quarantine them. No, nope, you're not, man. Yeah, you're out of here. Well, so. you said you know sometimes it's it's the enthusiasm they're chomping at the bit. You gotta yeah, you know, and you know what? That's as much coaching as anything else, or or even teammate coaching. It's like, listen, dude, you know, I appreciate your discipline, but. You know, yeah, you're. It's actually this is going to be working hard, but not smart. Yeah. You know, because you're going to lose two weeks worth of. Uh, but you're right. I mean, with in your field, we have several teachers, 
and it seems like them and their families are the ones that are sick the most. Yeah. Um, and I work with big kids, too. I mean, you know, these are 20-year-olds, for God's sake. I can't imagine working with little Petri dishes of kindergartners. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, if you look, though, even your people, I mean, you're dealing with, let's say you've got 40 people in a class. Those 40 people have been in contact with 500 people out on the campus, you know, and thousands of people, you know. So yeah. it's just this conglomeration of just filth. There's... You know, you're, you're getting exposed to it all the time. You know, actually, I applied for a grant a couple of years ago uh, from a local hand sanitizer plant. They actually had a health grant, and I'm like, you know what? I would like to apply for a grant and put Purell containers at the doorways of some of the, the field house gyms, you know, some local universities, and make all the guys on the way in Purell. You know, or maybe even again on the way out, and then just track them, just number of colds over the over the lifting season, you know, or yeah. the the football season, or whatever it might be, and the ones that do and the ones that don't do that, you know, just to see uh, how helpful it is. Because yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, imagine in some of those gyms, you know, you know what it's like, Phil. They've got maybe it depends on the size of the school, six, eight, ten, twelve uh, power racks. And the guys are rotating, doing different lifts, you yes. know, as like a group. And there's grab, and the next guy grabs it, the next guy grabs it. And I mean, all it takes is for some of these guys to wipe their nose and then grab the bar. And then, I mean, okay. you are right there on it. I mean, within minutes, yep. you know. So, I mean, some viruses don't last very long on a surface. Some do, you know. But that happens so rapidly. And not only that, but sweat and, you know, fluids are keeping it alive kind of you know all the bugs yeah. and stuff oh it's just not good <laughs> and then you know there's all those locker room kinds of major infections wow. that athletic trainers sometimes deal with and you know it's just a flipping mess but i don't know see a forensics team going to a gym and oh, like yeah. do those blue lights and stuff and see what all is there i bet it's horrific yeah yeah, the, yeah they would probably condemn um, even even a clean gym yeah where you're trying exactly. to clean it yeah exactly but anyway, since we're in the middle of flu season, that's why I wanted to bring some of this stuff up because, um, you know, I'm hearing about this testosterone connection, you know, which seems to be a two-way connection uh, with vaccines and, and the flu season and everything like that. And I mean, uh, man, just the amount of vomiting and uh, not eating and fever and hypermetabolism, I mean, you will absolutely lose so much muscle tissue. Um, yeah. It is... I don't know. It's it's more gray to me how much neural strength you might lose, you know, just by hurling your guts out for two weeks uh, or even one. But you got to think it would have a devastating impact on your muscle mass. You know, yeah, you and, think. well, and you know that's hence the the trade off, right? Do I get the flu shot? I mean, if I'm not going to have much of a response to it because I'm high T for whatever reason. Um, on, on the flip side, if I don't get it, I could get sick and set back my training, you know, a matter of weeks even. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Uh, and that's, I don't know. I mean, I think it's – if you've got a fever, stay out. You know, if you're extremely achy or you, if there's anything coming out of any orifice, stay out. So that's what you would do yeah. with a client. So we talked about you personally, yeah. but with your clients, you're like, fever, dude, leave. Yeah. I mean, there's no point in being there. It's let your – the thing is, like we've talked about it before, your body sees stress as stress. It doesn't care what that stress is. If you're if your body's already stressed with a fever and then you go in there and do a bunch of squats and stress it more, you know, now it's fighting two different things at once. You know, it's, it, you're not going to have the proper 
framework in place for to to, to fix your squat session when you're already yeah. fixing a fever and everything else, and something's going to suffer. Either you're going to be sick for longer than you should, or you know you're not going to recover from your workout. Well, One two. it's like that study that I was just reading. Uh, you you have finite resources, you know, yeah. and if you're dedicating most of those to repairing muscle tissue and everything like that, because you are overtraining, maybe I can see how your immune function might be down. Yeah, you know, and then you're you know then you're going to stay sick longer. So instead of having instead of missing two or three workouts, you're going to have twelve piss poor workouts. So you might as well miss two or three. Well, a lot of people don't realize. I actually looked at a lot of immune function uh, with my dissertation, and you can see even with just one squat. Uh, session, just maybe three sets, you will see a rise in white blood cell count. Like normally, all your white blood cells, the soldiers of your immune system, hang out in your lungs and they all flush out. And you can actually do blood draws and see more white blood cells. If you want to look at that as more protection in a way, uh, you can. Um, but again, that's from a single bout and that's not overdoing it, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the truth is, when you do get the flu, uh, one of the things that rises are things like interleukin-6, and these are inflammatory and they're catabolic, and part of the job of some of these cytokines like TNF or IL-6 is basically to chew up muscle tissue uh, and redistribute your body's resources into building more white blood cells. Um, but, you know, an athlete finds that profane. You know, I don't want to chew up my muscles and make white blood cells. Now, I understand you need to launch the immune response. There's a time to protect yourself before you're freaking dead. You know, your body can't just choose sex and muscle mass <laughs> right to the grave. Uh, but, you know, on the flip side of that, I can understand how, you know. And by the way, when when you feel really, really bad, people like, you know, people, they get the flu. They say, I can even my hair hurts, you know, and, and my scalp and that kind of stuff. A lot of that's IL-6 just running wild on you. You know, and uh, I've actually looked at extreme exercise sessions and how much interleukin six those produce, but that's sort of hard to measure systemically because it, it's almost a more local thing sometimes with with less offensive insults. But I like what you said about whether you're sick or you're injured or it's training induced, self induced. These are all physical stressors, and they do stack up against your finite resources. You know. Yeah, and it's. I mean, you can't. There's only so much you can outrest and out eat. You know, and it's not, I mean, you can't beat everything at once. Well, that's so. a good point. And that's one of the reasons I never liked some of those gurus back in the 80s and 90s. They'd say there's no such thing as overtraining. It's just under eating. I'm like, no, dude, there are, go study some physiology. You know, there's white blood cells come and go. Hormones come and go. Muscle remodeling takes time. You can't simply eat more and then pretend that time is not an issue. And it's the same thing you're saying, right? When you're, you got to give your immune system all those white blood cells and immune factors a chance to fight back and yeah it can't it's not something you can force there are some things biologically you can't force just like you can't try to say i'm going to sleep twice as hard and only have to sleep four hours a night (laughs) you know you can't do that there's a time thing when it comes to recovery and whether that's recovery from a workout or recovery from getting the flu yeah you just got to shut up and you know do the time (laughs) yeah for sure i mean i mean sure and then uh, if you want to get into the the realm of performance anti drugs and stuff like that you can still speed it up but i mean even i still don't think you that you can you still gotta have time to recover no matter what yeah I mean, no you're right train hard all the time and that's a good point i mean if you're on lots of gh and you know a gram of sustenance on a week or something that you you're gonna get the transport of some of the building blocks and recovery materials into the muscle and you know and get it put where you want 
faster, I suppose. That, that is true. But I mean, I don't. It's still not a. You right, you're can't you're not going to do maxes every day, for example. No, yeah, you know, you just kill yourself. Right, you know, and that's what. Yeah, I mean, people don't understand that, and you know, that's what leads to sickness. And like we were talking about, I mean, for me, what I've found as far as like very very hard intense training, I generally can have people do about six weeks. And usually, and I'm talking really hard training. That really lines up with that old Eastern Bloc stuff that I've talked about before. I mean, what I heard from those guys was basically six weeks to peak strength. And then, I mean, they'll start, usually at week six, people are like, are we done yet? <laughs> you know, and that's when I know, it's like, okay, yeah, we're ready to back off. Yeah. And then we can back off for six or eight weeks. And it's not that we quit training, we just don't go that freaking hard. Well, that's one of the reasons that I'll, I log hunger and motivation every time I leave the gym, just on a one to seven scale. And if my motivation's usually running five, six, seven, and for the last couple of days it's been two, yeah, you know, especially if it's more than three days in a row, that suggests that something is off, right? I should be motivated to go. Either I'm overtraining, or it's, maybe there is a cold or something else happening, you know. And that's where I don't know. I mean, my training's changed over the years, and it's I don't have to go crazy every session. I'm I'm generally my my people probably argue against that, but. Um, you know, I I generally play it by ear on how I feel. If I'm feeling it, I'm gonna go hard. I'm gonna go really, really hard. You know, if if I'm not, I'll just do what I got programmed. You know, and I mm-hmm. you know, but I usually have buy ups that I have built in. You know, if I can do this, I can go up higher. Type of thing. Okay, makes sense. Um, you know, and, and I'll do that. I'll hit my extra sets or I'll, my last set. I'll just do as many reps as I can or whatnot. If I'm feeling great that day, um, that's outside of a meet situation. You know, so my 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 training, my periodization, or whatever you want to call it, it, it kind of self undulates during the year outside of a meet situation. You know, when I'm getting ready for a meet, then it's like, okay, I got to hit this stuff. You know, we're hitting these numbers that's coming up. I think once you, yeah, once you get several years under the your belt, Weeder used to call that the instinctive training principle. Yeah. And a lot of his principles weren't really his, but you know, people are always rebranding these days. But yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I'm a lot like that, too. Is like if I go in and there's not a specific countdown to something, mm-hmm. I'll go up and down. Yeah, if you're extra jazzed, you're feeling great, you've got to give yourself some – I like your your term buy-up. Yeah. There's got to be a chance to let yourself do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like striking when the iron's hot. Yeah. yeah. And it's fun. You know, If you're having one of those days you're feeling great, go for it, you know? No, yeah, you could – you know, it's really hard to document anything like that scientifically, but it – you got to think that it's going to it may be that little bit to your that new ground in your your nervous system or your muscle strength something that is yeah it's it's got to be a good thing yeah and then um, the other days and they just i just punch the clock you know and punch the clock still not i'm not saying it's easy training and that's why i think people go wrong on that it's not easy it's just not crazy you know? Right, it's calculated effort. Yeah, it's you know, okay, I'm hitting these numbers. It's eighty percent for five sets of three. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know I did that yesterday. I was, I was, it was just one of those meh days. You know, yeah. And this exactly. doesn't impress anybody, but I'll, I'll I did hundred pound dumbbells, five sets of five, made me feel like I did what I was supposed to do. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Um, I, you know what? Before I let everybody go, I I do want to say one thing, and I don't know what you do when you're ill or not, Phil. But, um, in fact, I think my wife and I got into a little bit of foodborne illness last week with some uh, Applebee's stuff. Anyway, the point being is 
sometimes it's foodborne illness and not the flu. But nutritionally, if you hear something about vitamin C helping when you've got a head cold and you're trying to squash it, there is, in fact, some legitimate data that high-dose vitamin C may reduce the severity or the length of a very annoying head cold. Um, so I will actually take 250 milligrams of vitamin C like four times a day. Uh, now, there's a lot of people that say you'll saturate your tissues on uh, 250 milligrams a day, even a big guy. But I like to have the blood levels up, I'll, even like an antioxidant. Vitamin D, there's actually a theory that low vitamin D is one of the reasons that the flu season happens at all. I think that's very interesting. I mean, obviously there's climate things and environmental things, but uh, we're all such low D that we lose a little bit of resistance. So uh, I'm usually pretty good with the D anyway, but get, you know, two or 3,000 units of D every day, get your 250 milligrams of C, maybe some other antioxidants uh, every couple of hours. There's some research on glutamine too, although it's very mixed, I'll tell you. I see people misuse glutamine. Uh, some people take it for muscle mass purposes, almost like it's a branch chain or leucine, and that's not what leuc- that's not what glutamine's supposed to do. But I have seen some studies that suggested that people who, if you do feel like you're you're training six days a week and you might be overdoing it this time of year, it's not a bad idea to consider some glutamine. Now, some people are gluten um, intolerant; they're allergic to gluten, and just be aware: a lot of those glutamine powders, some of them are made from. Uh, gluten from wheat protein and that could be bad so look at the source Um, but if you are doing cardio and lifting for example uh, and I've done this before too like in you know maybe the last eight weeks before a contest or something like that glutamine could be a decent thing just take it as directed on the label the labels are usually pretty accurate Um, and it may it may help wouldn't you say as well I mean if you're if you're puking or have diarrhea or something, I mean, glutamine is pretty much the major source, the fuel source for your intestines and whatnot. It'd probably be, could be beneficial. Yeah, well, I think that's why the theory is so strong. And even though not all the studies show you that you have more antibodies in your nasal passages or, or your spit, um, the, the general idea is exactly that, that your body's in such a tug of war for glutamine. I mean, your muscles want it. Your immune system wants it. Your white blood cells run on that stuff, uh, largely. And then your gut, like you said, your intestinal cells do too. And your muscles lose that three-way tug of war. I mean, it's one of the classic markers of overtraining is that blood and muscle levels of glutamine start to fall. Yeah, um, yeah. Yes. and it's basically because I think it's going to other tissues in a lot of ways. So I think supplementing that, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of supplementing it very much, but I do think when you do feel a little strung out, like I said, maybe if you're, if you're a fitness competitor, you're a bodybuilder, and you're doing both cardio and lifting, so basically two a days, that might be a good time to think about it. Yeah. Um, some of the football players on campus have s- said good things about this. This is not scientific, it's just anecdotal, but they'd say when they're doing two a days, and I saw some of them getting sick frequently, and they were saying, Is there anything I can do? And I said, Well, there's a little bit of research on vitamin C and glutamine and stuff, but you basically got to sleep and take care of yourself and focus on hygiene. You know, but anyway, if people were curious, that's where glutamine powder comes in. If you're training your butt off, you're, if you're training three or four days a week in the off season, you're just doing lifts or just cardio or whatever. That's probably not enough. But if you're truly strung out, something that might help. Okay. Anything else? No, I think that's it. All right. Well, there's our injury and illness episode. Not a very cheery one uh, for this time of year, but you know there are realities, and especially with this new news about. Um, high T guys not cooperating with flu vaccines very much. 
That's very interesting stuff. I just encourage you to go Google it, look into it, because uh, I think a lot of our listeners are probably pretty high T yeah. um, for one reason or another. And <laughs> that, you know, it's something to think about. So have a good weekend, everybody. Okay. Uh, as narrator, I'm back just to say thanks, everybody, for tolerating that. Phil and I and Fortress, when possible, we have one shot each week to record some things. There's some good information in this phone conversation, of course. Um, and we just wanted to make sure that everybody got that. So thanks again. Hey, sports nutrition fans, join us in beautiful Clearwater Beach, Florida, June 20 and 21 for the 11th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo. You'll learn the latest, greatest sports nutrition from the best minds in the business. Some of our speakers include Juan Carlos Santana, Dr. Mark Tarnopolsky, Gina Lombardi, and many, many more. You'll learn about intermittent fasting, how to exercise to offset poor eating, and also nutritional strategies for maintaining or gaining muscle mass. But the best part is you'll get to rub elbows with the best scientists in the business. The ISSN, why would you go anywhere else? Go to www.theissn.org for more information. That's www.theissn.org for more info. See you there. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.